The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that defends public health by simplifying and demystifying how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into freedom, a healthy gut, and staying young, this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. Hey, I wanted to do a special introduction for this episode. This is one of the most profound episodes I believe that I've had uh, as far as a guest and the message that I'm able to uh, get across the airwaves to you health heroes out there, the people that are trying to you know, take responsibility for their health, raise their consciousness, uh, become a very productive um, member of society, become an enlightened being um, to do good things and, and lift us all up. And this episode really hit home for me. Um, we were, uh, you know, I had on a gal named Presence. You're going to meet her sh- shortly. Um, and literally, her, 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 she's marrying a guy and his last name is Grace. So very soon, <laughs> her name's going to be Presence Grace, which is really cool. Um, she's a death doula. And um, she's going to teach us how to die happy. She's going to give us that permission slip. It's going to be very profound episode. I'm really glad that you're here to listen to this. Um, in our culture, death is kind of something that's really feared. We don't talk about it much. Um, it's very hard on people. And, you know, in other cultures around the world, death is actually celebrated, you know, celebrating that life. In fact, it's called the, you know, end of life celebration. And that's what it is because a lot of us over here, it's just like somebody dies. They don't know how to deal with the dead body in the house. Uh, you know, coroners come, they throw it in a bag, zip, 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 and gone. And it's just like everybody just left there in, in like a state of shock and not knowing how to process this. This episode is going to be very important for every human being that um, has any questions about death. Um, it's going to help you process it better. It's going to make it something instead of something to, you know, fear your entire life and cause constriction and, and illness and and more worry and all that stuff, it's going to be something you can actually look forward to because the reality is, is that it's going to happen to all of us. There's going to be a point in time when myself and you are going to take your last breath. You know, your heart is going to start, stop beating. And, um, and that's it for this experience. But, you know, one thing is, is that we are never going to die. You know, that's the cool thing. So we don't have to worry about that. We just have to learn how to wrap our physical minds around this thing we call death. So in this episode, again, we're going to have on this gal. Um, she goes by many names. A lot of people actually in the documentary that I'll tell you about so you can check it out um, um, called, uh, oh, I have it here. I'll pull it up. Um, the Lullaby. Yeah, it's lastlullaby.org. Let me copy that right there. I'll put it. We're going to put this in the show notes for you guys. Um, because it is um, definitely something you're going to want to check out. So it focuses on this gal, um, Presence, and um, in the film, she's called Blessing. So just not so you guys don't get confused, it's the same person. She has, a lot of people give her wonderful names because she's done so many, many things for so many people. She is a death midwife. They're also called death doulas. Okay, And she is the proponent for conscious dying. 
So the last lullaby is a 30 minute documentary film, which is ideal for opening up conversations about working, caring for, or being with people who are dying. Audiences um, will include hospice trainees, medical students, patients facing terminal diagnosis, students of ritual and song, volunteer careers, and curious minds investigating conscious dying and advocacy. So a statement that I got from uh, Presence was, it was very profound, is that you can't fully embrace life until you face death. Think about that. If you had six months to live, what would you do? What would you say to those around you? Or maybe you'd be silent. What would you do that you've put off, things that you've put off in your life that you really want to do? What would you go do? What's really important to you? You know, there's going to come a point in time where that six months is going to be there. And I guess it's kind of a cool thing, but unfortunately, because that's the spice of life, we don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. All we can do is be present and live in the moment. That's all we have. The future does not exist. The past does not exist. But if you can fully embrace um, death, then you can start fully embracing life. And on the podcast, I talked to presence about this. There, there's, you know, when I was at Hippocrates Health Institute, you'd, you know, somebody get diagnosed with cancer and a doctor there or a psychologist would be like, wow, congratulations. This is amazing. You finally get it. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, I've just, I've been diagnosed with freaking stage four cancer, jackass. And, and, you know, that's what they're probably thinking inside of. And they're like, who is this person? And they're like, no, you're one of the few people that gets a chance to live. One of the few people that gets a chance to live because now you think or may know or think that you have an expiration date. You can actually see it. And by doing that, a switch flips and you fully start living. You fully start living. I actually saw this with um, a gal the first, first time I was there in 2011. She had uh, breast cancer. Um, she really wanted to heal naturally. Her husband was totally against it. Um, come to find out they didn't have the greatest relationship anyway, had a couple kids and, um, he was not supportive at all. And she went on her own. He wouldn't even go with her to support her. So she went to the Hippocrates health Institute. She learned about all the detox and the nutrition, and she was fully committed to live. She wanted to live. She was, she loved life. Um, she had these two kids that she wanted to raise and she went there and that's exactly what she did. She learned how to heal herself and she healed herself of stage four breast cancer. And then she went back home. And basically, after a time, she just said, um, you know, life is too short. And um, she broke off that relationship that wasn't serving her. She moved into an apartment and raised her kids and started helping other people with their health because that's what excited her. So when you face death, it gives you an opportunity to really live. So if you don't, because there's nothing worse than like, like, imagine just sitting there on your deathbed, and then you sit there bawling your face off, wishing that you would have lived. Like, why don't we just face it now? So that's the whole purpose of, of this show today. I want to give you a glimpse into the future, <laughs> even though the future doesn't exist. But um, we're going to give you a glimpse in, like that we're all going to die. And if you can really face that and, and realize that, I'm hoping that this conversation will wake you up so that you can just go wake up every day and have uh, an abundant, completely fulfilled life that is just juicy and 
awesome and warm and yeah and it's not always going to be you know what they say uh you know rainbows and butterflies but you're going to extract the best out of everything that comes your way good or bad it's neither or it's just all contrast right so anyway this is an awesome episode and i'm going to go ahead um i got so encapsulated that's why i'm shooting this pre deal before uh, we bring presents on is because um, we did a commercial break and then I was like the second one I'm like screw it I did not want to break free of what I was feeling and I wanted you guys to continue to feel that so we skipped the second break and then at the end again I was so just into it I forgot to ask her um, where to contact her and I think a lot of you are going to probably want to reach out or at least check out uh, the film that was put together based on this gal named Blessing or Presence um, just a wonderful human being, tremendous story herself and, um, the things that she's done and experienced, she really gives us an inside peek of what's going on. So if you want to check out, uh, her documentary, it is, um, www.lastlullaby.org. That's lastlullaby.org. And, um, I actually have her phone number here. If anybody wants to connect with her, hire her for doing what she does and, she does a lot of things. Uh, her phone number is 310-738-3772. That's 310-738-3772. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Presence, uh, a death doula teaching us how to die happy. Enjoy. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. And, you know, I do my best, my absolute best to bring people and ideas, concepts, strategies, things that you can do that you can relate and, and make them in a relatable fashion so that you can transform your life so you can wake up and feel good. You can have good health. You can have... Um, you know, just a darn good life. That's what I want for everyone listening, right? So if, you, if you've been struggling um, in any aspect of your life, we want to be uh, a guiding light for you. And hopefully with these different types of topics and people that we have, and, you know, last week it was really cool. I, we, we launched a, an episode with this gal, Anna Bach, and she, um, for those of you guys who haven't watched it, go back and watch it. But for those of you who watched it, she had a struggle for three years to get pregnant at age 37. and through like some stuff that we do in our products and a nurse that I work with a friend of mine, she was able to help them detox at age 40. And just had a healthy baby. Wow. Pretty cool. Pretty cool awesome. stuff. It was, Congratulations, it's really awesome. Anna. Yeah, it's really cool. So it's like, and like before we even did the podcast, she was like, thanking me up and down. Thank you for making these products. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And it's like, I hadn't even no idea that this was going on until they told me about it. Like, that's so that's so cool that like, I've got a little, fingernail sliver in myself in their life and i've helped those folks have this beautiful baby boy so it's just a cool thing it's an emotional deal it was really cool and it's just that's what i'm that's what i'm all about so today um we have a very very special guest her name is presence and presence has um a wonderful many wonderful stories to tell she is a death doula so now if you guys um, watched a previous episode, I had on Stephanie Anton. She was a birth doula. So a birth doula is just a warm, loving, caring human being that helps the mother, expecting mother and that expecting father to make the birth uh, be a wonderful, beautiful experience, especially do it at home. Give them, um, you know, uh, 
basically like having a coach. It's like having an advocate there. Somebody's been through it multiple times, knows what's going to go on most, and it just can really help out and smooth out the process and give you confidence in that deal. Well, it's the same thing with death. And exactly. my whole point today is not just to, to introduce you to a death doula so you can see what they do, which is it's pretty amazing the kind of work um, that you do. In fact, like we do uh, certain things. Uh, I do huge discounts on our private VIP group uh, coaching product program mm -hmm. for military, um, law enforcement, and hospice workers. And I would definitely put death doulas and birth doulas in there. We would do that. So I, I really, the work you're doing is like, it's the real stuff. It's like when people are born and they're dying, that's when people kind of forget about fighting with each other and all that crap. And they're really present in the moment. Well, that's hopefully, the, not everyone, yeah, but hopefully. Right, the, the couple times. That's the goal. <laughs> so, so my goal today, guys, my goal today is to have presence on to make you become more present, mm -hmm. to actualize and realize that there's only one of you, that creation didn't make a mistake. You were here for a reason. You have your own vibrational frequency, your own vibrational footprint. There's something inherently special about you and unique that nobody else has. And then there's gifts that you have that nobody else has. And guess what? All of us need your gifts to be magnified and realized. And by doing that, we're going to actually be raising consciousness as a society and vibrationally raising our frequency and moving away from old ways that are not serving us and bad vibrational frequency. So it's really important because what happens is, is what I've learned is that there's people on their deathbed and a lot of them are, they're going out kicking and screaming and crying. It's because they didn't live. You know, they were existing. They were just kind of going through life. They didn't live. And, but there's other people that as they're passing away, they have a smile on their face and they have tears of joy for the experience and the gift they were given. This wonderful experience that we're given, this wonderful bodysuit that we were giving to run around in and do things with and create things with and, and be examples to other people. So anyway, it's just a great episode. and. I want to now welcome Presence to the show. Presence, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. It's an honor to, to be here. I love your shirt. Love when you poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I, you, I don't know if you know about my story, but uh, pooping for me was a, a problem about 11 years ago. So I was pooping oh. blood um, oh. every time I pooped. It was a very painful process. I had acid reflux. I had a lot of health issues. So um, I was able to turn that around myself, you know, I actually, I, you know, I got some help though. I had some, I went to Hippocrates health Institute, West Palm beach, Florida. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Could have it, yeah. yeah. It's a natural detox nutrition clinic. My buddy had chronic lymphocytic leukemia. We went there and, and I learned about all this detox stuff and how bad the toxic chemicals were. And it's like, and they're, they're really bad. Like they're, yeah. they're really, really bad. In fact, I was just reading something yesterday. I always send people to the umbilical cord studies, you know, look up umbilical cord chemical when you're done listening to this umbilical cord chemical, Google that or search it in your browser. And you'll find that every child being born has over 250 toxic chemicals in their bloodstream. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 180 of them cause cancer, 212 cause developmental brain disorders. Well, I was just reading because um, uh, I was somebody had asked me in my group coaching uh, deal last night about niacin and, you know, vitamin B3. Is that good for you? And I was like, well, yeah, it's it's really good, and it's it helps people with depression, it helps alcoholics get off their alcohol. It helps. It's a vasodilator, so it increases blood flow. That's why you kind of get a flush. Some people get a flush feeling. They're it's kind of maybe tingling a little bit for twenty to thirty minutes, 
And there's this guy named Dr. Yu that actually uses it as a weight loss protocol and combined with saunas. So I, in group coaching, I just looked it up because I hadn't, I've been talking about it. For some reason, it surfaced in the last two months. And I said, let's just do this research together. So we did it live. And, and I actually pronounced his name wrong. I, I said it was Dr. Wu, W. It's actually Dr. Yu, Y-U. So we figured that out because I'd forgotten. But we got into, um, you know, kind of like the benefits of, of niacin and stuff like that. And, and But reading that, and this is a, like a top medical doctor, <coughs> he said that in the fat cells, and in the tissue, like adipose tissue and stuff like that, that the literally the chemicals that they're testing for in the blood serum are when they test in the in the fat and the muscle tissue are 500 to a thousand times more concentrated. Yeah, that's why a lot of people say that if you want to get rid of cancer, first put on some raw fat weight and then get rid of that weight afterwards. Yeah, because all of the, all so of the niacin go into the the fat. Yeah, so niacin has the ability to. Uh, dilate and, and help you get rid of chemicals basically as well. So anyway, that's just, once again, it's like, I was like, oh my God, it's even worse than I thought because it was bad enough. You got all these chemicals floating around in your blood serum, but it's 500 to a thousand times more concentrated in the fat and muscle tissue. So that was a new one for me. Boop, lock that one in. Yeah. And I'm like, oh wow, it's even worse than I thought. And it was already bad enough in the first place. So anyway, let's get into like, whose presence, like, where are you from? And like, what was it? What were you like? What was it like for you? Like, like growing up, where were you from? Oh, gosh, that's another story. I think that's another interview. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I was I was actually born to a father who was a priest and a mother who was a, an actress. And um, after she was both both my father and my mother were given six months to live when they were younger. My dad, when he was in his 20s, but he, you know, outlived his prognosis, treating himself with natural remedies after after building a um, mission in Madagascar. Um, he had just come out of medical school as a priest and was building a mission there and saw what the medicine men were doing and decided that Western medicine wasn't couldn't come close to what they were doing and became one of the first homeopathists in Germany and then became. Oh, um, he was a homeopathist. Yeah, he was a homeopathist, a naturopath. Oh, he had awesome. a very uh, successful practice in, in Bavaria. Um, but you know, did everything under his under also being a priest. Um, my mother uh, was also given six months to live when I was around seven or eight. Can't remember. Um, my dad actually diagnosed her fifteen years or not fifteen years. It, a friend of hers he diagnosed fifteen years before she showed signs. He diagnosed my mother uh, some years before she had ever showed any signs of it. And at the time, they just told her it was psychosomatic. By the time they found it, they they gave her six months. And then that took her out of acting and into alternative healing and meditation. And then she joined Osho. I don't know if you've heard of him, Bhagwan. Oh, yeah. I've, I've so, just uh, I read his book, Being in Love, a few times. It's, yeah. So we went a to lot India. of books out there. Yes, he does have a lot of books. Yeah. So we went to India and my mom and I became sannyasins. I was seven or eight, nine, something like that. when we were in India and then came back with hepatitis. And then... Um, when he moved to uh, America to the, to the um, you know, start Russian program, we moved there. And um, so I grew up it, it, very eclectically. We moved around a lot. I was exposed to lots of different um, paths, spiritual things. Uh, I've done, um, I've been asked to take over the lineage in, in Tibetan, as a Tibetan Buddhist and to become a Lama. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've really walked a lot of paths. Yeah, and 
the interesting thing is uh, right at the end of me realizing, okay, maybe as much of an honor as, 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 as much as I was honored to be offered to take the lineage over and, and as grateful as I was for some of the teachings and practices and, and what I've learned um, through Tibetan Buddhism, which was extraordinary. Uh, and, and the Lama I worked with was also amazing. Um, I, I did realize it wasn't the right path for me. And I realized that when I wanted to work with veterans on hospice, and I took a training in, in being a hospice volunteer for veterans. And my Rinpoche said, you, you can't, you know, you shouldn't do that. You're going to be a great and powerful Lama. I don't think you should be working with people who are dying. And I was really surprised to hear that. Now, in hindsight, I look back on some things and I think maybe he was right about certain things. Maybe he saw something about that time in my life. Um, but the fact is that I left shortly afterwards, finished my training. And soon after I started working with veterans, I had one friend after another pass away, transition, get sick. I mean, it was just- Was that- you literally wanted to work like with veterans because you had friends that were veterans or how did how did that come about no i wanted to work with veterans because um i have i've ha i had very strong ptsd i understood severe trauma in a way that i think a lot of people don't um i had had a lot of success in counseling and coaching working with men especially uh, men who had severe trauma um i worked as a healer um with several veterans you still do that today I do. I don't advertise anything that I do. I, people find me and people find me in that, you know, if they're meant to be with me, then, oh, that's my dog. They show up. <laughs> and they show up. I don't, I don't search them out. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if, you, if you're meant to work with me, then, then you feel called to it. It's not something I advertise. I never advertise as a healer either, but people always sought me out and heard from other people. You know, after, if you have a certain track record, people do to uh, search you out. So, um, yeah, and then uh, I was working with veterans mainly because they were the ones, especially Vietnam veterans, that often died alone. Because in in the days that that um, they were, that war was a you know as you know a horrendous war, and the resources that we have for veterans now, even even the resources we have now, but the resources we had then were horrendous. I mean, they they really didn't get the support they needed. So. You know, many and you of them see them all the time on the sidewalks yeah. begging for money, and they're like exactly. Vietnam vet. Yeah. I always like ask them, like, you know, what division were you in, or whatever, what infantry, and then they, if they can tell me that, then I'm like, oh, here's a bunch of money, just take it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I just don't, you know, it's like, and then it was, it blew my, you know, what blew me away? Yeah. I actually had a client who, Vietnam veteran, we became pretty tight. And I actually had quite a few of them, and he's like, hey, you should come up to the VA and put up a little booth or something. And I have this event that I'm helping to host. And I was like, okay. So I came up and I went to the VA and I set up my event and I'm there talking to them and we're talking about detoxing and all this stuff. And I got to hear these stories from these guys and it was the same thing. All of them had, well, a lot of them were overweight. A lot of them had type two diabetes and they had cancer. Mm -hmm. It's like over and over and over. So then I learned about agent, you know, I knew about agent orange, but I didn't know about agent purple. And they, I was like, what's that? You know, it's just another chemical name, but it's like, and then he was like, yeah. And they were like, they would come to like where we were set up over in Vietnam. Like, you know, they have their compound and these planes flew in with the agent orange and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to spray this stuff and kill the foliage and you guys can shoot them and all this stuff. And, and a lot of the guys were like, well, is that shit going to kill us? 
And then the people that were, they had like sergeants or whatever, like, oh, no, this stuff's fine. They were drinking Agent Orange to show them that, hey, it's fine. And then, of course, you know, and we found out what happened later. Those people are all dead, right? Trying to be a big ego. And they were told it's from up above, it's fine. And they had people drinking it. So anyway, they sprayed all that shit. And then what happened was um, not only was it making the soldiers sick, but I found out that when they came home, they would bring in their clothes and their wives would wash their clothes. They would get sick. Oh, yeah. And, and then, then it would also get their children sick. And birth defects. And yeah. And then and then they didn't even have a kid. They'd come back and then procreate and then have a kid. And that kid could be sick. And then beyond that, their children could have children and they could be sick. Well, that's the issue with chemicals so and crazy. all of that. You know, that's why m many people have to educate themselves about Monsanto and GMOs and all of those things because there's, I mean, I, health was actually my first passion, I guess, because my father was, you know, helped people also to recover. He was known for helping people who were terminal as well. My yeah. mother did it. My mother did it as a healer more when she healed herself uh, through meditation and other things. And then I, I guess, because I kind of followed that lineage, yeah. I got into it as well. But um, so I yeah. understand. I understand why you work with veterans, because after that, for me, that experience, I've never actually never talked about it to anybody. But that experience for me, this was years ago. I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. I was just brand new, had my company, you know, I was just trying to help people. And all I, I just I talked to so many of them and so many of their stories were similar. And I knew these guys weren't bullshitting me about their, mm -hmm. was my, my grandson's really sick right now. And it's, it's Agent Orange. And I'm just like, whoa. And I just had a lot of compassion for them. And this is not even, we're not even getting to post-traumatic stress okay. yet. No, no, no. And we're just and talking about the physical implications of these toxic chemicals they were yeah. uh, exposed to. It was just, yeah. it was, and, it was and what it did, And what it did to their brains. And like, you know, I think I got into it because I was working with, um, I was doing a lot of outreach to homeless people and actually invited quite a few homeless people to live with me and try to help them on their feet. And then I realized through that process that many of the ones that were homeless, um, you know, either had childhood trauma and many of them were veterans. So. And then I realized that many of the ones that were veterans died alone because, you know, personality wise, they hadn't processed their trauma, they hadn't processed their grief, you know, maybe Agent Orange had also impacted their, the, you know, it's also when you go through that level of devastation and, and complete trust has been completely severed from people that told you it was safe and like with the Agent Orange or the Agent mm -hmm. Purple or whatever it may be it really, it, it does something to a person, you know, there's, there's, there's war in, in and of itself, you know, we, we are, you, we're tough as war, but, but we really open only fully, you know, we're like flowers, right? We're we, to warmth the light. And that's certainly not what a lot of these people experienced. You imagine they, <laughs> like, that's, that's they, they sign up to go to war to yeah, be and a patriot, accept their country, and they're trying to do the right thing. <laughs> and then it's like, they do all that, and it's like it's bad enough that they're getting shot at by the enemies, which are in reality just a bunch of working class people like us that have been we're being used as pawns. And if all those people shooting at us and, and we're shooting at them, if we actually sat down and had dinner, we'd probably all get along real well and have a yeah. good time. Right. But, you know, we have all that stuff going on and then you have your own government. Like it's like them pulling the rug out from underneath you. And it's like, oh, we're just going to poison you. Yeah. And then and that, also, that's like you're getting it. For, you're getting shot in the back, basically. And yeah. I think and when you come betrayed. home, you're on your and when you come home, you're on your own and you and people are like, you shouldn't have done that war. I mean, it, it was all around horrible for 
for veterans in yeah. it, it was just an awful thing and i was really shocked that so many of them died without anyone at their bedside and that was that was part of what i was like okay, no one should die alone like that not if they don't want to not, not without love at their bedside not with something you know helping them through that process yeah. and then because of the tibetan buddhism um path i had learned about the the Bardo states and um, people moving through different states. I had also had my own experience from my own near-death experiences. So I felt like I could come to bedside bringing something that would let that a sense of peace and a sense of grace that isn't really something I was bringing per se, but knowledge of it, knowledge of that there is a portal of light that is actually profoundly loving, profoundly nourishing. <clears throat> you know, it's just a very... It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place to be. And you're being invited into that, into that space. It's like, it's like the warmth of the sun, right? It's like the love, the sun is the shining, it's shining love. And they have all these dark clouds in between themselves and the sun. It's not like the love's not there. The sun's always there. Yeah. And you you kind of help them brush the clouds away. Yeah. And to help them, to help them to understand that it's unconditional because many of them had also a lot of self self-judgment and, you know, had done things in their lives they weren't proud of. And as a result, you know, a lot of self-hate and um, mm. <clears throat> part of it was just to let them know that that, that energy is, is, is all forgiving, all understanding, all compassionate, all loving. Yeah. And, and the past doesn't exist. Yeah. And exactly. And the, and like we were talking earlier about, you know, the birth, the birthing process and the documentary that I was in recently, um, it's very, where, where I also say that it is like being born is, is very similar to, to, to dying. It has that same vibrational energy. Mm-hmm. You, you're going, you know, out of the womb of creation or you're going into the womb of creation. But it's that, that, that holding um, that you're, you know, that you're washed out of and then you're birthed into it. And what and was the name presence of that uh, documentary? It's called The Last Lullaby. And I have last lullaby. Okay. Last lullaby. I haven't, um, it's actually based, um, on the, I have a a hospice CD I'm working on. That's also called the last lullaby. Um, I don't know, uh, she hasn't released it in like, I don't know how you can access it other than through Vimeo. And then there's a, um, a password you still have to put in, but I think, uh, she has, she got the, the domain name, um, the last lullaby film.com. So I'm pretty sure she'll at some point put it up there. I'll write that down, lullabyfilm.com. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you would like to, you know, share about yourself? I mean, that was like, yeah, that was really cool. We got into veterans and PTSD and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think it's a really testament to your character. It kind of shows where you're from. You, you went, your Ayurvedic traditions and, and, you know, into uh, the ashrams and, and then being a a Buddhist monk, basically. (laughs) Um, do you know, do you by chance know Dr. Will Tuttle? Mm, that sounds familiar, but no, I don't think so. Yeah, he's, 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 he's spent a lot of time in Buddhism and stuff like that. He's one of the most gentle men I know. I mean, he's just super I think most kind, very gentle. Yeah. Just a, he's just the light. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. I've had him actually on my podcast twice. I've only had like three people, I think, on twice, and he was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really cool dude. And I want to bring more of that energy to our listeners. And so they can feel it, 
vibrate at that level and then share it with other people. So, all right. I'm so so we'll, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. It's really important to. Yeah. Thank you. Thank time. you. Um, I had, you know, I, I, I just, one day I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. And that was like 2015. And then finally four years later, it actually manifested itself because I had like zero technical skills, but then I helped somebody <laughs> who had some technical skills with their health. And he said, let me help you. Oh. And then we were able to launch it. So, That's so great. it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things when you follow your highest excitement, yeah. to the best of your ability, every moment, every day yep. with no insistence on a particular outcome, it, these forms of abundance will come to you like certain people and gifts and stuff like that. It financial abundance. Yes. It's a valid form of abundance, but there are many other forms of abundance. And when we don't make money, the only form by which everything has to come to us, it now opens all these other doorways in which abundance can come to us. Cause I didn't have those tech skills, but I just did what I did really well. I'm trying to be healthy, be an example, of health other people. I helped this guy. He had strokes. He's actually, I'm going to interview Justin. He's my podcast producer. He had his, his mother died of strokes mm -hmm. at like late forties, early fifties. Mm -hmm. His older sister, who he's very close to died of strokes and she was like 48. And then here he is at like 46 or 47. And he's, he gets like seven, six, five, six mini strokes. He strokes out and just brain was disrupted. Um, couldn't think. And this guy was, um, it was actually a film, like a producer, like a film producer. And he's won talent awards for like photography. And he was really into that kind of stuff in high school. And, I but he was also that. like an athlete. He would like, you hand him the football and he'd score like three to five touchdowns a game. He was like wow. super fast. And so, but he, even though he's as good as he was in sports, he wanted to do more of the art stuff. He wanted to do more filmmaking. So his actually first thing he got was really interesting. It was a music video. And he was like, oh, I really don't want to do a music video. But he heard the guy's story um, and it was tremendous. And uh, this guy named Roy. And so he decided to do it and he put his talent into that. And that show ended up winning like 10 international awards or that show, not the show, but the but the music video. It was he was big deal. And then so now his his he's got his name and everything's rocking and rolling in his life. And then he strokes out and he loses everything. Hmm. And I met him a year or two later. He was living in the basement of a friend of ours, a mutual friend. And that's how he just kept over and he kept hearing me talk, but he went home and he started implementing. I didn't know this was going on. And then he comes up to me. He's like, I've lost 20 pounds. I'm feeling better. What else do you got? And I had no idea he was doing stuff. And so he just, I just started working with him and working with him. And now he's down 80 pounds. He's off of almost this June. He will be off his last medication. I think he had four or five. He's down to almost nothing. Um, he's dropped, I think, 80 pounds now, and he's sprinting again, and his brain's coming back, and we're helping with that. So he was able to, um, from the stuff that I learned, he took action with it. He's healed himself pretty much, and he was able to help me heal myself technically because <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. But um, And then he's still producing my podcast today. So awesome. Well, that's, good that's good karma for you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. So there's a perfect example. I didn't have the money back then to do this. So, but you don't need it. Right. There's many forms and, of abundance out yeah. there. So, and it's rare, well, you know, it's rare that you get, you get back from the people you give to Well, at least in my life it has been, but um, it's wonderful when, when it's reciprocal like that, mm -hmm. you know, when someone can help somebody that's helped them. It, it, it can be very satisfying to somebody who has a desire to give back. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, uh, Presence is going to share with us some stories of some people as they are experiencing their last 
lullaby. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I am back. And today in the house, we have Presence. Um, and you're not going to believe what her last name is. Can you guess? Her last name is Grace. Almost. Pretty cool. Presence <laughs> Grace. Best name ever. <laughs> Freaking best name ever. All right. So let's get into this death doula stuff. What's so first, what, what is a death doula? Can you give us the definition of that? So Because, so, you know, some people might have never heard of that before. Well, basically, think about everything that a birth doula is, um, what you were saying about it being a, a loving, compassionate, kind uh, person who's been through the journey a few times as far as like birthing people and, and you know, loves them, loves the baby out of the womb <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, and facilitates that process so that there's a sense of safety and, and as, you know, as much peace and joy and grace as possible. It's the same for death doula, just the other way around, um, birthing the baby back into the womb. But <clears throat> I think many people actually do become, especially elderly people, often become like babies as they get older. You know, they mm -hmm. might not have as many teeth and, you know, maybe no teeth and sometimes even that. But there's also the, the, um, the, I guess there's like a lot of times when people are close to death, if they've embraced it, they don't have the ambitions like babies don't have ambitions you know we don't we give them ambition but they don't have ambition when they first come in they, they just are they just exist mm -hmm. and many times when people are dying it's a there's a similar awareness that they exist but their material things don't matter anymore their belief systems you know they're not going to you know it's like okay well i have my belief systems but but i don't but I, I've maybe had them changed a few times. So I'm willing to maybe give those up to, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to take anyone with me. I go by myself, just like you're birthed on your own. You go out on your own in a mm -hmm. way, you know? Um, I mean, there's a lot of helpers, invisible helpers in my opinion as well. But it's a very um, kind of powerful process in recognizing what life is really about, which is more about being than about doing more about experiencing than about having or, or accumulating and more about learning than it is about the ambitions necessarily. The ambitions take us in a direction. So they move us forward so that we continue on so that we have, but ultimately the, the goal of life is to learn something is to, to, to continue to, to evolve. Right. So Many times I find that people who are in the transition process are aware that a lot of things are stripped away. And so life kind of gives you an opportunity to, to awaken up to what's really true, to what's really valuable. 
which is that 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 original beingness that you come in with, that precious beingness that you come in with, that is just who you are is enough. And death doulas often come to bedside if they're good death doulas, or they they have experience and understanding, um, with the understanding that who you are is enough. You know, you you can't get this wrong. You're going to graduate regardless. We all will. And I'm here to su support and nurture that process to the best of my ability and to as much as you'll let me to do, let me do that. Mm -hmm. now, now, I also bring to the bedside having had some near-death experiences, which helps because um, once, I think once you quote unquote flatline and you, um, you realize that the consciousness continues, that it, there's literally just a pause and then it's continuous, you know, there's, there's not, there's nothing to fear because it's, it's, I, I don't, a lot of people, I think, fear the unknown the way they fear death. It's, it's very similar. I think that's why, like I said, in, in this last couple of years, many more people have, have come face to face with, with mortality, you know, whether it's somebody else's or their own have really recognized that maybe, you know, regardless of whether they believed there was a pandemic or didn't believe there was a pandemic, they were certainly exposed to the possibility of, maybe dying, you know, maybe dying on their own even. And so I think there's a lot more openness now in, in, our, in our culture in general, in our world in general, in the Western culture, especially that's never addressed that, that subject before to really, to really take it on. Because as soon, as soon, the sooner you take on, you're dying, your last moment on earth, the sooner you will live your life fully. Mm-hmm. Because what, what all the things that you project into, like you could, you could be gone tomorrow. And yeah. what's going to matter a then? Plane could, a, a plane could run in the side of the building right now. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And it's that's, possible. I think, yeah. And that's also one of the things that I think is such a gift to when people actually have notice that their graduation is coming close. When they know, when they get notice that they're going to be transitioning soon. That's a real gift. And you can spit in the face of that gift or you can embrace it and welcome it. Mm -hmm. If you spit I've, in the I've, face. Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, when, when we went to the Hippocrates Health Institute, they have um, two psychotherapists on staff. Mm -hmm. And I know Dr. Clement said in the beginning, he said that he thought that they were, most of them are crazy, which they are. Um, but there's some good ones, just like in any profession. And he said he had this woman, this wonderful woman come in and she like literally wear like a, a blue dress with white ruffles and she'd have white long gloves on. And he said she would transform people. They would go into her office and come out and they were just transformed. And then he was like, we have to have uh, a psychotherapist here all the time. So now he's for 20 some years, he had these two guys in there. And um, it's really interesting because when you go talk to them, and then they'll be like, oh, well, what brought you to Hippocrates? Well, you know, I've been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the chemo and their surgery or whatever, it's not working anymore or it didn't work. Or, or maybe they're just like, hey, I, I want to try to heal naturally. But whatever. However they got there, they're there. And um, that's why I'm here. I'm, and, and the psychotherapist will look them in the eye and say, well, congratulations. Mm -hmm. You're one of the few people on this planet yeah. that actually has the opportunity to truly yeah. live. Exactly. 
And then exactly. people are like, what? What are you talking about? You're crazy. Exactly. You're, it, it's, it, it's, it's a gift. It's, it's like literally gift. these, the, it's, it's, it's a gift. It's a it freaking a gift. gift. And I've it seen is. people that take it and they treat it as such. And almost every, I, I, don't, I don't even know if there is one that hasn't, but almost every single one of the people that I've seen like, okay, I've got cancer and it's all right. Today is, you know, February 24th, 2022 by February 24th, 2024, I will be cancer free. I am going to change my whole life, everything and everything gets better. Mm -hmm. And they, they stop putting up with BS from certain people. They get very clear on what they want. They radically change their life and they literally start living and they usually go into different careers. They do different, completely different things that, because, you know, we were talking about birth, like we're literally birthing ourselves billions of times a second. Mm -hmm. Every second there's billions of new use and every you version of you is absolutely perfect. And when these things happen, when you have these things, like when you get cancer or you get diagnosed with fibromyalgia or Alzheimer's or dementia or these type of things, these are all wake up calls to make changes. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's just like you're, you're going to make a change. So I totally get it. I resonate and with you at a deep level when you say that when somebody is, um, uh, you know, has a catastrophic injury or they're going to die, it's a gift when they find this stuff out yeah. because they can really live. And then, then now and they, they, can, and they just, can make a choice. They can make a choice. And sometimes, you know, like I, I feel one of the things that I, because I don't just, I'm not just a deaf doula. There's a lot of other things that I, that I bring to the bedside and to people in transition and also the people that love them. But it's just um, a cool title. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's also um, because I, I mentioned earlier um, that I, after, after I had finished work, my, my training in, 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 as a volunteer for hospice and with veterans, I had one, one friend after another, you know, get sick. And in the past, when I used to do healing work, I also had people who would come, who were terminal come to me many times. And many times they would, you know, they would live again. They like, like they completely gave what released whatever the, because usually terminal illness, as you know, isn't just, I mean, it's diet changes, it's all of that, but it's also a emotional. mind change. It's an emotional change. It's addressing the trauma that created the the illness or the disease, right? In the first place. So, um, you know, they would, they would, I had some miraculous healings. And in that process, what happened is I start because so many people had heard from other people, oh my God, you know, she was terminal or he was terminal and now they're not after working with her and we should go see her. But what started to happen is people would come to me and all of a sudden I would notice that some of them had a portal, literally is what I call it. Like I could look in their eyes and go straight up into heaven, kind of, you know? And I was like, oh, I can't help this person the way that they want me to help them. I can't, you know, like it's literally their time to go. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe there's a way to come out of that. But my experience was that with all of the people that came that didn't have that, I was, I was able to help. With, so you're, no matter, you're, you're no, matter how, no matter how terminal they were, no matter how progressive the disease right. was, but with people that had the, where the portal was there, it was always, so do you think that portal was opened by their own beliefs? Uh, that's an answer I don't have. I have spiritual answers for that, but it doesn't live in the realm of the intellect. Um, and it's nothing that I can confirm. It's only a suspicion that I have. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there is, you know, in, in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a belief that, that there is a, a time that's been designated that is your time to go. And it's, that's why I call it graduation, right? 
Mm -hmm. um, you get a ticket, uh, your ticket's up and you go. And in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a whole practice where you, where you train yourself to, um, you actually get a name. And at some point, maybe six months prior to dying, that name is called and you know that, oh, okay, prepare, it's time. Now, many, many masters have been, it's been said about many masters that they know when, when they're gonna go and they kind of inform their students that, okay, I'm, I'm gonna leave soon in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So I think in a way there is a consciousness that is aware of that. And yes, it can be updated. Like I, I actually thought um, I had a lot of, uh, I have a lot of psychic and intuitive things that come to me. And I knew about this time, you know, coming uh, 20 to 23, I, 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 it felt to me like it would be in, the, in that, in those years, like early, late twenties to early 23, maybe. Um, and I thought that I, the, you know, a lot of people would die and potentially I would die at that time. I, I did think that that would happen since I was seven or eight years old. I did try to kill myself twice. Didn't work um, as much. I mean, I really tried hard. Like I took 125 sleeping pills and slept 10 hours as a 12 year old and took some pretty intense sleeping medication. So you'd think that I would have done it, but it didn't. Wow. So, so you know that, you know, Obviously, if it's not your time to go, you can try as hard as you may, but you're going to come back and you might come back with a compromised body, but you're going to come back because you're, you're not finished yet. You have some work to do. And when I realized that this was going to happen, I had told people, many of my friends that I was probably not going to be around through a certain age range. I wasn't sure because time is always a little bit hard to navigate, but I then all of a sudden, uh, when I was doing some global healing work, I realized um, that it was likely something that was going to happen globally, not just to me. And that I would either transform and have a life that's so different that it would be perceived by me as, as a death, or I would, I would physically die. And I almost did physically die, actually. Um, in September, I almost died for the third time. Um, but I didn't- Just I recently? Didn't, yeah, just recently. But I didn't, my heart didn't stop. It wasn't the same. Like I didn't leave my body the same way. It was just very close, you know? Um, what happened? Got COVID. Oh, I got, okay. I got COVID, but I, I got COVID. Um, it, it was mostly situational. I was not in a situation where I was taking care of myself. I was, I was making really poor choices. Um, I had guidance. Your immune system me, was compromised. I had tell, guidance tell me all kinds of things. I didn't take all the supplements. I wasn't in a place where I could. I didn't have a home anymore at that, at that stage. Um, so there was a lot of things that, that, that played into what happened. And then my pride wouldn't ask for help. And then I got to the point where I was so poorly that I couldn't take care of myself. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it got close, but, but what I am now living is, is a completely different life. And it was a death. It was something that I grieved. And so in a way, when we take on dying, it is the same thing. Like it is a complete transformation of self. And just because you don't have a body anymore, it's actually not that different from having a huge life transformation because your consciousness remains and your consciousness is what you take with you. And to me, that portal that I talked about earlier allows for an enormous amount of grace to come through that can change a person really dramatically and if they're willing to open to it, not just transform them, but transform everyone around them, 
if you talk to death doulas, many of them who've had experiences or even anybody who's been at the death of someone they loved, and they, if, if it wasn't what I call a, a bad death, it was a good death, many of them will say that they're not the same person afterwards. Because mm-hmm. once you meet in that space, it, it changes you. It makes you realize that there, there's more to life. And ironically, the way you find out about it is through death. And it's almost um, like you're walking around, everything's in black and white. You have that experience and you see color. It's like, well, where yeah. did this come from? Because you're, not, you, because you're not confined to the body. And that port, portal that opens allows for, you know, I think it's really life saying you have one more chance at enlighten, enlightenment. You know, we, we can, you can really, you can use this moment and totally wake up because everything that you would hang on to that would keep you here, your person, you know, your, your personal identifications, like the things that you own and your ambitions and all those things have been taken away from you. They're not important right now. Mm-hmm. So what you're left with is just who you are just right now, just yeah. this breath, just this moment. And the things that you care about and the people that you care about, and maybe they're there, maybe they're not. And maybe there's some things, some, some places where you want to have resolutions. That's the, you know, that's the opportunity. That's the gift. If you're given time and you know, you have that time. Wow. You can actually have an opportunity to do that. You can dance with it. You can decide how you want to go. You can have arrange a home funeral. I'm also a home funeral guy. A lot of people don't realize that when a body dies, you don't have to call the mortuary immediately. You can actually take that body home or have it at home, put them on dry ice, keep the room cold, you know, really have a home funeral, let, let yourself adjust to, the, to, the, to this being that's no longer in physical body, but feel the presence of that beingness, even when it's no longer alive and know, wow, something is happening here that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. obviously there's more to death than I ever thought was possible. If you're someone who'd never knew that before. I talk to people all the time. Cause I also work with people who have had people, they love, you know, help them through the process of their loved ones dying. And then also help them. I do coaching on all, all the different areas, you know, related to it. And so many times I, when I guided people through a process, when I can't physically be there myself and told them what to do, and maybe they do it with a friend. Just recently, I had a client say, you know, I, I did all the things you said to do, and I, I don't know what's going on, but something I'm really impacted, something really changed. I don't know what's going on. I felt, I don't, I don't, I feel like I'm not the same person. And I was just there for that night, but all of a sudden something's just different. That's, that's the portal of grace. Mm. That's what you can gift. That's your legacy that you can leave for every single person that is around you at that time. If you embrace that process. It's profound. If you ever wanted to leave a legacy, that's an incredible legacy to leave because it really teaches you how to live. Yeah, that's such a powerful gift. So what's it, let's just go through um, somebody who, because I, this is really good stuff. This is really good stuff. So let's somebody, now you said earlier, there's a bad death and a good death. And it made me think of the the movie Samurai. It was a good death, right? And um uh, so let's go through uh, a story or one or two stories of people that have a, a bad death so that people listening or listeners can get the contrast between a bad death and a good death, and then they can make a conscious decision on how maybe they want to go out. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I would say that you just named it, you just said that word. So the, the difference between a quote unquote bad death and a good death, because there really isn't such a thing, because right. both can teach you something and both can teach the people around you something, even how not to die. But what I call a quote unquote bad death is an, is an unconscious death. It's a death. It's, it's, it's a death where I'm going fighting tooth and nail. I'm not going to die. You're an asshole death. I hate you. Excuse my French, but you right. know, <laughs> you're just like angry and like, I'm not going to, and I'm going to fight it with everything that I have. And people often that fight it with everything that they have will throw everything they can, every research product, everything that they can possibly do. And their body just falls apart and their children see their body fall apart and they get worse and worse and worse and worse. And they just keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting until they start to even smell bad. Mm-hmm. You're literally dying in front of your children and you're still not stopping the fight. And you think you're doing it for your children. Sometimes, sometimes people think they're doing it for the children. I'm, I'm staying alive because my children need me. And sometimes I understand that. I understand that profoundly because we, we love our children. And the greatest gift you can give your children is to show them what a conscious death is like. Mm-hmm. Not being afraid, not fighting it, not pushing it off. So, yeah. So when, when, when they're, can you relate this to like, why do they have so much fear? Is it because they didn't live? You know, you said that early, I think. And I would say that's true many times, but not all of the time. There's many people who've lived fully but maybe don't realize, um, one, they don't necessarily realize they've lived fully. Like I had a very dear friend of mine who his whole goal in life was to be kind of a financial expert and to do these mega million dollar, billion dollar deals. And that's what he wanted to do. And that would have been his legacy. And he felt like he had this, he was always working on this, this deal and that deal and this deal and that deal. <laughs> on the side, he was an incredible musician. He's in the documentary. Mm-hmm. incredible musician i often we sang you know i sang um with him often and he he would play the piano and he made every singer that he was with feel like they were the special one you know like he was just and he he just knew how to blend and merge and unite and be in that oneness in that field of oneness together musically and and let the the creative creative energy channel through him it was just extraordinary extraordinary talent touched so many people profoundly with his gift and yet that it never occurred to him. What you think he tried it on for a little while and then he gave up on it, you know, like many people do give up on their dreams um, and decided to be sensible and focus on money. But he had really no passion for money. It was an annoyance. It was something that he was constantly working on. And in the end, um, we did, he had a birthday and we decided to make it his, his end of life celebration because he didn't know he had stage four cancer and he was going to transition and everything had been tried that could be tried. And, you know, he was, he was not done fighting. He was still looking for a miracle cure, but, but he had, he was willing to have an end of life in case mm-hmm. he couldn't find that miracle cure. And he um, realized, you know, I, as I was talking to people that were you know, giving him birthday blessings. And I said, you know, can we just talk to him as if, as if he would had already been gone, what would you like him to know? You know? And one of the things that, that people said over and over and over again is how powerfully his music and, and, and interacting with him musically, creatively had inspired them, had empowered them, had made them feel alive and hopeful and joyful and in love and just incredible, you know? 
And here he was sitting back going, God, never completed my, my legacy. And this legacy was like right there in front of him, right there staring him in the face. And it was really, really beautiful. I think he really, he, he finally got it. it like, he couldn't oh. see it and then he did. Yeah. He's like, oh my God, I did touch people. I did make a big difference. I may not have made the difference I wanted to make or I thought I should make, but I made a huge difference to a lot of people. Yeah. And so it see, wasn't he, about he the had, I did it because he, like you were saying, you know, I did it because I followed my joy, I did my, I followed my excitement. I may not have done it financially, but I did it because I loved it. And that's what was yeah, important. He had an insistence on a particular outcome. And that's, that was, that's what ha had him not realizing what, he was truly yeah, he meant to be doing, even yeah, though he was already I, doing it. He was doing right. it anyway. Right. And then I will say another, another thing, like as far as, an, you know, I don't know that I want to go into too much of a description of, a, of a, what I would call an, a bad death, but because there's some pretty rough ones that I've, I've been through with, with people, um, including ironically ones that, that had a DNR, which is a do not resuscitate, but then died very suddenly and, and a beloved one thought, okay, well, I have to bring them back, you know, because it's not supposed to be. And um, in general, our Western medical system is designed to save lives. It's not designed to, unless you go into hospice, it's not really designed for end of life care. So like one of my friends had had cancer previously and then got cancer again. He was a veteran. He was in the veteran hospital. He was in a lot of pain. They gave him I think at the time, three days to live. I came into his hospital room and, and he was in pain. And I said, you know, why well, I did some work with him. He felt better. But then when I left, I came back the next day, he said, I'm, I'm in so much pain. I said, well, why are they giving you enough morphine? He goes, no, they won't give me more morphine. I said, well, what the heck? And I, so I went to the doctor and said, you, you know, he essentially has three days left now. You've given him four. He's got three days according to you. Why can't you give him more morphine? He's in pain. I said, well, we can't legally give him more morphine because that might kill him. I said, but you've given him three more days to live. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's in excruciating pain and I can't always be here to like help, you know, calm his system down. So you've got to give him more medication. Like you've got to give him more morphine. So no, we can't, we can't do it because it might kill him. I said, but you, but he's dying. And they said, well, I, I'm sorry, but we can't. So, you know, I'm, I've done a lot of advocating for people in those positions and it basically, we had to take him out of that ward and bring him to a hospice ward in order yeah, to- Yeah, you gotta put him on hospice, yeah. Yeah, had to. And people because, need to know too that you can actually request hospice to be done in your home. Some people don't yeah. realize that. You have that and right. I recommend it. I highly recommend it, doing it in your home. Yeah, go home. go home, go home. It's so much nicer. And the other thing too is that, um, you know, when, for example, an elderly person in their 90s, right, has a stroke or has a heart attack, the Western medicine will try to revive that person, even and very often in the process will crack several ribs yeah. to try to revive that person. That's awful. So we have to think about ahead of time, now, today, write our, what is our medical care directive? What is our death care directive? Who do you want to have contacted? What, you know, start thinking about what, what, where do you want those things to go? Do you have a, a golden egg you want to be passed on as a foundational, um, you know, charity or to someone that you care about or several people or like, you know, all of those things you have to think about now because you don't know 
when it's going to be to the point where you don't have the the strength the brain with the bandwidth whatever you may not be able to make that decision maybe because it's sudden whatever the reason is and or you so, might be operating out of fear at that point so it's important to do it up front when yeah. you're clear thinking and you can still think clearly it's exactly. called an advanced directive i was a financial advisor for a long time actually you know what i'll, I'll better put in the show notes directive. yeah yeah so what i'm going to do is i'll put it in the show notes there's actually um actually my uh friend uh, carter Wilcox and he owns a company called uh, Epic Services Company. They work with a lot of financial advisors, but they have a service that anywhere in the United States, they can set up uh, your trust yeah. for like 2,500 bucks. Wow. And it's 90% of it's done in 90 minutes. They have a system and they walk you through it and you get to actually talk to an attorney and there's an onboarding person. They make the process easy. But inside of there, you can actually, it's just a click, click, click. You fill out your advanced directive. Do you want to be resuscitated or not? Blah, blah, blah. But what's really cool is they have this thing called legacy stories in there where it's a place where you can record and upload videos and stuff oh, like that. Hey. So when you pass away, you know, it's the last will and testament yeah. or whatever, but it's also, it's a bunch of videos hmm. and, or, or audios so that you can leave, you know, cause you're not, it's just not about leaving behind money, exactly. but it's the knowledge exactly right it's in the experiences that you can share exactly. and leave that behind so that's actually a really that's, powerful platform that's that I recommend. beautiful thank you i really I, I would love to know about that and share that with clients as well because i i really um i often tell people that i tell people like make a video make a video now even you know hold a end of life ceremony for yourself bury yourself in the sand by the beach and have people come around and say what they would say to you now not when you're gone you know like you're underground and record it so you can listen to it, say things to them that you would say, you know, if you were gone and you would want them to know that you may never, never have the courage to say whatever it is, contact everyone, you know, that you've wanted to let certain things know so that you don't take that with you. So if don't most people it. are like, good riddance, asshole, you're like, hmm, maybe I should make some changes. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that wouldn't be the case. <laughs> well, but that's also good feedback, isn't it? You know, yeah, it gives you an opportunity for change. Yeah. And it depends on what is important to you in life. Like really, when we come face to face with death, we can really find out what is important to us. I mm. often take people through a dying meditation so that they can really experience and take that on. Yeah. Sometimes I'll even do a role play and I'll be deaf and I'll talk to you as deaf. Uh -huh. And I'll say, I'll be meeting you someday. Anything you want to say to me? Like, can we have, you know, what, and maybe provide some information that you might not have. So mm. there's, 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 it's a, it's a beautiful thing to engage in. And I think also important to like in, in our Western culture, we don't tend to see dead bodies very often. Very often people are scared of seeing somebody They're dying. Whisked like, away very quickly. Yeah. And that's why I recommend home funerals. It will really change your perspective on that. Um, when I, when my dog died, I did the same with my dog. I put my dog on dry ass, both, both my dogs that, that died before. Um, it's just a really, really gentle way to process the loss. And like I said, to realize that there's, that there's something else going on that you may pick up on if you have any sensitivity to it at all. So maybe you could give people a permission slip on that where they don't feel like they were going to get in trouble or something. Like, let's say your, your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle passes away. You would um, put them on like, dry ice like two inches of dry ice or usually what you do is i mean there's a whole process it's something that i you know there's a whole process in in, in going through that process i often recommend people people wash the body before metamorphosis sets in 
you know, maybe with essential oils. And the Sikh tradition, they often wash the body with yogurt. Many traditions, they have they have some kind, they have that, you know, yeah. even in tradition. Um, and then, you know, dress them in their in in their finest clothes or in something that they really love or whatever's comfortable. <clears throat> and then place them in the position that you want to have them. Maybe the hands are closed. Maybe you, you know, sometimes you have to glue the lips closed. Sometimes you have to close the eyes. If you choose to, you don't have to. Some people want to see the body the way it is. Others want to, you know, it's easier for some people if the body looks like they're sleeping. It's easier for some people. Um, because there's a lot of people who think, oh, I would never want to have a dead body. In my, no way, no way. And then there's sometimes their families will fight over it. But I can tell you, I've taken a lot of people through that process and it is so much, so much, so much easier when you've had some time with the body, when you've had some time just to sit in silent vigils with that body. And, and it's a powerful experience for those people to realize their own mortality to start living. Yeah, and many people also believe that the, the soul stays around the body. In many spiritual traditions, they believe that the soul stays around the body for a while. That's so you shouldn't disturb the body actually because it's still, you know, there's still a, a movement happening. Some, some spirits aren't even aware that they've left the body yet. It depends on, again, how much they've taken on and how much they've interacted with that portal and recognized it. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to say one other thing about a bad death is, you know, I think I've said enough about it really ultimately, but uh, just to speak about that, you know, people who have children and die maybe younger than they, than they had planned for. Um, in, in general, I have seen children traumatized by the fight to live in general. And I have seen children transformed in, in profound ways and really understand things about themselves and about life and, and take on life differently when a, that's like the greatest teaching you can give your child, like show them how to die, you know. You may not even have been very successful teaching them how to live, but you could show them how to die. Mm -hmm. And there's so many creative ways that you can go about it when you have a diagnosis, you know, when you, when you know that you might, you know, that you're coming close to that time. And if it's not your time again, then it won't be your time regardless. You can still take supplements. You can still change your life. You can still do all those things. And maybe life comes back if it's not your time. But if it is your time, Give yourself the opportunity to have a relationship with it. My friend, um, speaking about a good death, are we there yet? Are we going to only? Yeah, this? I'm just going to go. I want to keep, I don't want to lose this thread of this frequency. So we're just going to skip this commercial break and just continue. So let's, let's transition into that. What, what about, um, what about a, a, a quote unquote good death, which is just yeah, another version a conscious of death. Yeah. Conscious death, basically. Um, yeah, that, that's, a really special thing when to be a, a part of. And um, in, the, in the film, The Last Lullaby, we also, there's a, a very short scene where I'm with a friend of mine named Tony Bua, who was a, an acting teacher and actress at one time. Uh, her husband died of Parkinson's some years earlier and then she got breast cancer and she battled it for a long time. And she did fight it quite a bit. Now, her, her situation was very interesting because I did do some healing with her and I had said, you know, if you want to, if you want this to last, like when her cancer went into remission, I said, you, you need to make some life changes. And these are the life changes you need to make. And she found them too difficult. She was like, I, I don't really want to make those life changes. 
But then it's also not for me to say, well, who am I to say that you're supposed to live longer? Right. I don't, yeah. Maybe you're not supposed to live longer. Maybe it's time for you to move on. Maybe it's okay that your life is going to be cut short, but you're really enjoying every single minute of it. You know, eating healthy may not be something you like, enjoy. You like wine, you like cheese, you like sugar, you like ice cream. And if you love that so much that it's worth having a shorter lifespan, potentially, that's also okay. It's not for me to decide whether it's right or not. Yeah, it's there. And I will say my, my friend Tony was like that. She loved things so much. She enjoyed them so much. She was completely in life. She got all like, like what um, David, Henry David Thoreau said is, is sucking the marrow out of life. Like she really sucked the marrow out of life. You know, she <laughs> like literally. She, yeah. And she talked to her room, you know, she'd say hi room and hi chair. And like, she was just vibrantly alive in every single moment. Mm-hmm. And when it came time, when she realized she, there was nothing else that could be done for her, she embraced death and she um i remember the first time we realized that she couldn't stay upstairs because you know it was she had there was things that she might have to be downstairs for and we realized it was better for her care to be downstairs so she had to leave her bedroom that she really loved and that she wanted to originally die in because the bed was high and lots of reasons you know she took kind of what she felt like might be her her last shower where she could herself shower herself And she was quite weak and could barely walk. And so we kind of waltzed and danced to the shower together. You know, it's like, let's just do a dance. And I kind of shuffled her towards the shower so she could still feel a sense of independence because sometimes that's really important to somebody to have a sense of independence and not to be, you know, treated like an invalid when they're not one, you know, to give them as much independence as, as they choose. And some people actually want to be a baby. They might want to be taken care of. That's okay too. You get to choose. That's one of the wonderful things about the end of your life. You get to choose. You know, people will do whatever you want. Usually when you're dying, they won't argue with you. You know, you don't, you want this, I'll give it to you. You know, you want ice cream? Okay. You're dying anyway, you know? (laughs) So, so we went into the the restroom and, and she, you know, barely made her way into the shower. I'm just outside, like kind of ready to, you know, have to grab her at any moment if she collapses and, she's grabs the, the, I can, you know, she grabs the shampoo and she grabs the soap and she can barely really do anything. And so she decides that's the end of that, you know, and she comes out of the shower and I dry her off. And I said, did, did you want me to soap? Did you do want me to soap you? Did you want me to, you know, she goes, no, I already did that. And I said, Tony, you, and she goes, I did that already. And she kind of looked at me like, just acknowledge that I'm clean. I did that already between you and I, that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> you know, it was a silent kind of communication between us. And I said, yes, you're, you're squeaky clean. You're right, Tony. I'm so sorry. What was I talking about? And then we continued on. And, and then, um, you know, when she was, when she was downstairs during the last few days of her life, um, a lot of what I do is kind of help someone connect with that portal of light and sometimes send healing or whatever it is that I'm called to do. So I was just sitting there with my hands up and basically just kind of, you know, bathing her in golden light and just seeing her bathe in golden light and seeing her come more and more peaceful and her, her labored breathing became more, more calm and her system was relaxing. And and then I, I did that for maybe about two hours. My hands were up and I guess there were some people who came in who were like, 
her hands are still up. Like, how can she possibly hold them up? And I, I probably wouldn't have been able to hold them up, but something was holding them up. I wasn't doing it. It was doing itself. And at some point, this golden light started to wash over her to the point that she just kind of became this blur of light all around her. She was still alive. She was still breathing. But she had completely connected to that luminal space. She had started to, she had in the, in the documentary, I mentioned it as well, but she kind of danced with, dances with it. But she's like, she recognizes it and then she comes back and she's a little confused and she recognizes it and, and doesn't quite know what's going on. But at that point, she just opened to it and just really just let herself be in that space. It was extraordinary because the entire room was filled with golden light. Now, yes, I can say, I, I can sense and see to a degree some of that, maybe more than other people, but other people who came into the room also felt it. They felt a, a, a sanctity, a, a, a sacredness, and a quietness, and a stillness, and, this, and an incredible vibration in the space. And everyone that came into the room felt it and, and was quiet, which quite a few people had come in and would be talking, and I'd have to say, you know, like, because that's another thing. When, when you're dying, a lot of your senses get heightened. Even, even if you have lost a sense, there's your, your, the, energetic senses get heightened because we have more than the five senses you know like i think over 30 years ago i read that there's scientifically proven 30 other senses other than the five that we rely on and now that was 30 years ago i'm sure maybe four, however long it was that was then i'm sure they've discovered even more now and those are actual senses well those senses open fully when we are when we realize we're not the body and when we start to dance with that heavenly light, when we start to, to, to let that light pour in and we start to realize that we are actually a part of that light and everyone around you will feel it. People will come in and feel it. Like I said, many people were very chatty and really had no idea until that happened. And then people would come in and instantly, like it was like they were at church, everyone to each other, like, just sit there and just be, be spacious, you know? Um, it was beautiful. So that's an example, I'd say, of a, of a good death. Her, her death was very, very gentle, very gradual. Another good death was my former partner's mother who died of Alzheimer's and dementia. And she was surrounded by so much love, so much love, including my love, including her own love including her family's love. And so there wasn't, she wasn't identified with, she, you know, she just, she just, there was this gracefulness in accepting all the different parts of this, the process. And when she died, it was literally like, and the same as with Tony actually, just like a little breath where everyone was like, is that it? Is that it? And everyone's like, and that continues for a time until everyone's like, is, they're not really sure because it's not clear whether, whether she's gone. But, you know, we felt her, her heart beat on her neck and it was not there, it was gone. And shortly afterwards, you can see it. just like a, you can see that the, the spirit is no longer in the physical body 
because the body is just a body. You can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. What I often tell people though is at that stage, it's really, really, really important that you, if you do call a coroner, that you set up a sacred space, set up a sacred space before someone dies anyway. Don't have TVs blasting, don't have a lot of noise. That's why hospitals aren't the best place to die because there's a lot of beeping and yeah. disturbance, you know? Commercial you wanna, and yeah, you want to set up like lots that. Of light. Yeah, exactly. You want to have a very dim because also similar to babies, people who are dying often are very sensitive to light. So, like that salt lamp you have in the background, you know, something like that to light yeah. the room flowers you know like really make it like a temple in there some essential oils diffused yeah exactly exactly and so as long as the person is okay with that you always want to check in with the system and see what irritates it and what calms it i also do bedside singing i did a lot of singing for people to sing them over the threshold sometimes with a choir sometimes on my own um so there's a lot you know the and sound is different like people may have loved one kind of music when they were alive, but they might prefer something different when they're dying. It's, it's, you really have to listen, you know, like listen to the person who's dying and see, you can tell because they're, they're like, they'll be like, you can feel when there's tension in the body. You can see it. Sometimes it's an eyeball that twitches and, and frowns slightly, or they're just, you can f- sense there's not relaxation and that something isn't working for them. Maybe they're in pain. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just that they're, they're irritated by something in the space. So there's a lot of ways to, to create that. And then, and then when, when the corner comes in, if you have a sacred space and you have some meditation music playing and you have dim lighting and you go out and you let them know, look, I know you're going to pick up this body and let's just not make it look like you're picking up the trash. Because very often that's what it does look like. And it can be very traumatizing for someone who's just lost someone to see that, to see a, you know someone come up not have any sensitivity because they've done it so many times, just grab the body, put it in a black Ziploc trash bag, zip it up on a slab and, you know, wheel it out. It's not, that's not what you want. It's really hard to see that. So that's why I say, you know, if you can have a home funeral beforehand and whether you choose to cremate the body, I don't recommend, I actually don't recommend people bury a body and do the whole, the whole, um, there's a lot of things about, burying a body when they when they basically chop up the body on the inside and put a liquid chemical in it to preserve it it's very bad environmentally and i just think it's a very violent method yeah it's it's not how nature i think intended us to to decompose you know you can you can become a tree these days you can there's so many wonderful ways that you can stick me in the dirt you know yeah unfortunately because of formaldehyde off-gassing in carpets that yeah, people are breathing exactly. in 20,000 times a day and genetically modified foods. They're mm-hmm. disrupting the plant's metabolism and producing more formaldehyde. Uh, a lot of morticians are telling me that a lot of people are kind of already embalmed when they mm-hmm. die nowadays. Have you experienced that? Yeah, to a degree. Um, mostly, though, I experienced that in what I, had, what I had mentioned earlier as bad deaths, where people have pumped themselves full of chemicals until the very end. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where literally um, they're being kept alive by a machine. That's the only thing that's pumping their heart and putting yeah. breath into their lungs. But they're no longer there. <clears throat> they're not really there anymore, but they're still, 
their body's still going, but their organs organs are slowly shutting down. You can see yeah. the yellow tint to their face. Sometimes there's a smell. That's what I mean by that's a bad death, really, in a way. Yeah. Bad for, maybe it's not even bad for the person that's transitioning, but it's bad for the people watching. It's mm -hmm. bad for people that love you to have to see you in that state. And yeah. it's usually when there's been some medical intervention, when there's been a lot of chemicals pumped into someone to keep them alive. Usually yeah. that's when you see the embalmment, when, they come, when the body's really compromised. It makes it also really hard to have a, a home funeral in those cases. There was one situation, a couple of situations actually, where um, it, you know, the body was oozing fluid because so much had been pumped into it. Mm. And you do plug the nose and you do plug you know, all the orifices, but when there's that much liquid, it just comes out of all the pores. Yeah. Not, not when the body's healthy, Chem only chemicals. Yeah. Chemicals bad, nature good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yeah. don't think anybody would agree more than me on that, that deal. So, well, cool. Um, this has been a very enlightening conversation for me. Um, I'm sure that our listeners have been hanging on every word as well. And uh, for me, I'm just really happy that you were able to take time out of your day to, to share with us what, what your experience you know, the experiences that you've been through, you've been through this multiple times, obviously, it's a part of one of your professions of what you do. And you were able to yeah, give us a lot of insight that we wouldn't have otherwise. So it's it's, um, there's a lot well, of grace wanna, coming through I, right now. Thank you. I, I wanted to say one other thing, I will say that, you know, the, the, you can train to be a death doula, and there's a lot of things that you can learn. And I have some wonderful teachers that I've learned a lot from. And compassion and kindness and gentleness and listening and sensitivity and gentleness. If you don't have those, then that takes a little more to develop. And they are important, you know, important qualities to have if you're someone who's called to being at someone's bedside, especially listening, especially awareness and, and sensitivity. Sounds and, like important qualities to have if you just want to have a relationship with if you're a relationship with a human being. Absolutely. Yes. Right. And that's the thing, right? Do they kind of go together? Um, the reason, though, that I mentioned it is that. Um, why did I mention it? I'm, I have COVID brain. <laughs> I call it that sometimes. Okay, we'll send um, you some products. We'll, get you <laughs> we'll bring you back. <laughs> I'm actually doing pretty good. Um, but it's the it, it's just that there is a there are certain things that you can learn and there are some things that you learn by experience. And I was thrown into the water partially because of my own near-death experiences where I actually looked forward to, like I was always thinking like, oh, I wanted to die. Like I wanted to leave. So when I came to bedside, I was like, you get to, and I still have to be here. Now I don't feel that way anymore, but, but I brought that excitement and joy without necessarily saying it to the bedside because I was like, that's a really great place to be. It's so amazing. You have no idea what you're in for. It's such an incredible ride. Wow. You know, that is what I would come to bedside with. And after I had said, after all those veterans that I had held space for, and my friends, a lot of my friends were transitioning and people that I knew, just acquaintances, I literally had counted 80 deaths in 80 in eight years. It was like one every month almost. It was crazy. So having had that, that experience, you get to see everything. You, get, you know, what we talked about. Patterns emerge. Conscious and non-conscious deaths and 
and it it really uh it, it really teaches you something and i want to say thank you to all those souls that i have held held space for that have really i feel like i've been blessed by all of them in profound ways all of them the ones that that had a quote-unquote bad death and the ones that had a good death they've all blessed me and all taught me and and i'm incredibly grateful and thank you so much for doing a show about this because it takes some courage to do that a lot of people are, 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 can be kind of scared of this topic so i really applaud you for for your willingness to bring that out and for having such an open heart and open forum for this it Thanks. was my highest excitement <laughs> definitely and now we take all of those people that you got to be there witnessing their death and all that's been funneled in to this recording for our listeners to benefit from and so for presence, I really thank you for coming on today. It's been it's been a, a, a pleasure and a privilege to have you on. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll have you back on. You said there's a whole nother story. So maybe that'll be yeah. the sequel. We'll have you come back on for that <laughs> one. And we'll maybe if you guys can put some stuff in the make sure to leave comments and say we want to see presence for part two. <laughs> and we'll, make, we'll see if we can twist her pinky finger a little bit, see if she'll come back on and do it. But. <laughs> But um, also for those listening, uh, for me, this is a really, really important episode because I really wanted to shed some light on the, you know, the, the transition. Yeah. And by doing this, my whole goal, again, was to help you guys realize how special you are, the gifts yeah. that you have, and to go out and live your life fully today, right now. You're one, not wait you're one of tomorrow. a kind. You're one of a kind. Don't wait till tomorrow because it doesn't <laughs> exist. Don't live in the past. Beat yourself up. That crap doesn't exist either. You're a yeah. brand new person right now. Brand new person right now. Literally right now. You're a new person. A perfect version of yourself. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Every millisecond, it's just chick, chick, chick. these are time. These are like frames of your life, and you get to kind of change when you change your vibrational frequency. Yeah. You literally. It's almost the way I look at it. Presence is like when you wake up every morning. You have a blank slate and you have a you have a, a brush and paint there and you can paint whatever you want you want to paint some chaos that's what you're going to experience you want to paint beautiful joy love you know being present and that kind of stuff um you can paint that too you can literally create your life like yeah. literally by changing your vibrational frequency so my goal for this episode was to help you change your vibrational frequency and understand that it, it, in this time space reality this vehicle that you've gotten it does have an expiration date on it it's a gift and I really want you to turn it, turn it on, turn it up and, and start expressing those gifts that you have, those special gifts, because we need you to get, we all need your gifts and we need yeah. to see you with your gifts at their highest vibrational frequency. Mm -hmm. Kind of like your friend that was trying to leave his legacy behind by being this money manager and he had no desire to do it. He's like not his passion at all, but because he probably got caught up into you know, money is the only form of abundance type mentality. You know, we are the masters of limitation. Yeah. Right. And right. um, and then he finally realized in his in his um last moments here that he had done what he had wanted to accomplish, but he had done it through what is really passionate about, which was his music. And he he just didn't see it. He just didn't see it. But all those lives were touched tremendously. Yeah. Tremendously. By he did him see it at the end, he did see living it at the end. his highest excitement. It yeah. what it, all it does is like when you when you see somebody like this is when you go see you see a, a child who's ten years old and they play the violin like unbelievable. It, it's you're like you stand up and you're like whoa and you're just like this is so amazing. 
because that person has put so much time, so much effort, so much love and energy. That's what they like to do. And they're, they're, they're at the peak of their vibrational frequency in doing that one thing. It's because inside of you, there's something inside of you, the, some violin that you need to play. I don't know what it is. And you, you're now inspired because they've given you a permission slip to go do the same, to raise your vibrational frequency for your version of the violin or the piano. Yeah, we're all don't, connected. Die, don't die with your song still inside of you, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't want to do that. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. Um, I love you guys so much. I hope that you are completely showered with uh, blessings and light for this episode. And I hope that if you got something out of it, that you will take this episode and you'll just share it with the world because it is a very powerful episode. And I think it's going to move people to raise their vibrational frequency, raise their consciousness and start living today. So until next time, change yourself, change your world. Love you guys. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>